Hello, I'm Kenny Smith, and this is The Best Story I've Heard Today, a podcast for news junkies. We know you can't possibly see all the great content being produced, so we're here to help. We're bringing you a story that you might have otherwise overlooked. Each episode's guest tells us about the best story they found, and today we're pleased to welcome back to the show Zach Osterman, sports writer for the Indianapolis Star. Zach, thanks for taking the time again. Thanks for having me again. Well, tell us the story you found and uh, give us an understanding of why we need to seek this story out and what we need to know about it. Yeah, I think it's a good uh, context story, which is something that more and more I think sports writers, um, you know, in, in pretty much any sport sport need to be able to do that, that it's not just hard news anymore hard news comes from social media hard news is is old in in 10 minutes um, but context is something people are, are constantly sort of craving and anybody who knows me knows that uh, in my personal life I'm a very big European football fan um, in particular a, a big uh, Liverpool fan and Liverpool just sold arguably its best player uh, a 25 year old Brazilian named Felipe Coutinho to Barcelona and uh, there's a man named Rory Smith who used to work I believe for the guard in the Times of London and was recently hired as the New York Times, basically European soccer correspondent. He still lives in England, but he writes for the, the, the New York Times. And he wrote a story about not necessarily what you know, that just that Coutinho is, is moving to Barcelona for what's nearly a world record fee, but what it means. Um, and I found it interesting because I think one of one of the more interesting things that I ever sort of watch in sports in my mind is is how a dynasty dies. And, and what it looks like when uh, any kind of sports organization um, tries to grapple with that. And that's pretty much what's happening at Barcelona. It's, Barcelona's been a world power for decades and decades. But in about the last 10 years, they have kind of become this generational team that played, um, that, that played a brand of, of soccer that everyone around the world wanted to emulate. They set the standard. It wasn't just that they were great. You know, you think about an American example. The Chicago Blackhawks have won three Stanley Cups since 2010. But it's not like the Blackhawks are doing it in a certain way that makes everyone think we need to emulate the Blackhawks way. Barcelona did that. Um, and it transposed itself onto the most successful period in the, the history of Spain's national soccer team. Um, it, it, it transposed itself onto Spanish football, onto football, again, all over Europe and really all over the world. And that's all – those players are starting to get old and, and they're starting to phase out. A couple of them are already gone from Barcelona. Um, and, and, and it's just this question of how are Barcelona trying to move on from that? Um, and, and again, this question of how dynasties kind of die because at the end of the day, time catches up to everyone. So in the American context, we would say this is a rebuild or reload. What's going on here for Barcelona, the storied uh, program club that uh, has, has done it right for a long, long time? Uh, is this transition? Is this uh, is this uh, starting from the ground up like the Pittsburgh Pirates seem to be doing right yeah. now? Yeah, well, it's, I think it's, it's reload, but it's, it's in a different way. Um, Barcelona has, uh, like all European soccer clubs, has a youth academy. It's called La Masia, and it was actually set up by a man named Johan Cruyff, um, or at least he was very influential in it. And he was uh, a Dutchman who was widely regar- regarded as one of the generational footballers of his time, and he played in the 70s for a Dutch club, Ajax that in the 1970s held a very similar sort of context to world football um, to what Barcelona does now in terms of its influence on other managers and styles of play all over the world. And this particular Barcelona team um, was both managed by Pep Guardiola, a former Barcelona star who came out of La Masia, but also uh, 
pretty much starred by La Masia products. People know Lionel Messi. He's Argentinian, but he moved over to Barcelona at a very young age. Um, Xavi, Andres Iniesta, Victor Valdez, Sergio Busquets. And so there was this idea that Barcelona's always had the financial power. They've always had the brand name and those sorts of things, but that this was homegrown. There wasn't just something successful at Barcelona. There was something romantic about Barcelona, that that Barcelona grew this this way of playing in its own backyard for all the money it has and all the all the power that it sort of wields in the sport. It was a Barcelona man who really perfected the style, and it was Barcelona players that helped him implement it. And and when I say Barcelona players, ones that, that grew up in the club from the youngest age, from seven, eight, nine years old. And so it sort of reminds me a little bit maybe of the Yankees in the late 90s and early 2000s. And I know not every Yankee star then was a Yankees prospect, but there were long-serving you know, Yankees like Paul O'Neill, Bernie Williams, Derek Jeter, Tino Martinez, um, Andy Pettit, Mariano Rivera, and, and on down the line. So it wasn't just that it was a great team. It was that that team had sort of a Yankee way that people wanted to to emulate. And you kind of saw the Yankees do maybe what Barcelona are doing now, which is that as those players started to retire, the Yankees just tried to use money to plug up holes. They paid big money to players like Alex Rodriguez and Gary Sheffield and Hideki Matsui, and, and they still had success. But you felt like they lost some of the mystique of being this great team that had been constructed together, had grown up together, and then had had kind of imposed an unusual level of dominance on their sport together. So now, the Barcelona, for example, uh, sold, were forced to sell um, the, one of their Brazilian stars, Neymar, to Paris Saint-Germain last summer. The, the money they used to replace him, they bought a Frenchman and a Brazilian, two very promising players, um, two very good players. But again, you maybe lose some of that that romance that you had around Barcelona at a time when Barcelona was setting the pace not just in Spain but really around the world in terms of how you how you you know foster kind of this this whole club mentality when you start pulling things in from a different environment is that a symptom of something that is to come because over time you use the yankee example when the farm hands aren't the ones in pinstripes. Is that the case here if I'm going abroad to get European players or outside of my natural system that uh, we're really seeing the beginnings of the end here? Yeah, I mean, I think in in one respect, not unlike the Yankees, Barcelona will always have a a, a level of world acclaim. And and for for reference, Barcelona running away with um, La Liga right now, what will be their seventh La Liga title since 2008 when Pep Guardiola came in. Guardiola won 14 trophies in four years, and in that, in, since he took over in 2008, Barcelona have won three of their five, uh, three of the five European Cups they've won in their history. Again, six league titles with the seventh on the way, five Copas del Rey. Um, but I think to your point, and I think to compare it maybe to another sort of dynasty, uh, there was a really good story by Seth Wickersham and Tom Junod for ESPN recently about Tom Brady. 
and and about how Brady kind of has this theory that he can almost outrun age in a way, um, but that if you look at the Patriots, and there was another subsequent story that I think came out very recently, I believe it was by Seth Wickersham, about maybe some of the cracks in the foundation between Brady and Bill Belichick and all these things, and there have now been suggestions that Belichick may go to the Giants, maybe may leave the Patriots soon. It looks like he's going to lose both of his coordinators to head coaching jobs after this year, um, which probably means an exodus of a lot of assistants as well. Um and it's kind of a, that's a different kind of, of dynasty, if you will. You know, that's built, as you said, on a generational player, one generational player and one generational coach and a franchise that was ahead of its time in realizing where the NFL was going. It was getting younger. Skill players were going to become more easily exhaustible. The draft was going to become more and more important. It was going to become less important and maybe follow the the Cowboys uh, model of getting a small core of seven or eight really great players, paying them all your money and then filling in around them, it was going to become more important to find just one or two key players and then use the draft and smart free agent signings to fill in all the holes. Um, but the point is that any you can look at it from the context of Barcelona and and this sort of homegrown level of, of success that they've had and, and the way that they have made that almost into a culture of playing. Um, you can look at it from the context of the Yankees, who did something similar, but maybe you know were able to use their wealth to still accentuate, you know, Derek Jeter and Tina Martinez with Paul O'Neill as well. Or you can look at it from the the, the perspective of the Patriots, who maybe took a, a different route and almost kind of cheated. And I'm not. This is not a comment on you know, <laughs> Spygate or anything like that, <laughs> almost kind of cheated and then changed the system of how you build a roster. But at the end of the day, it's three separate approaches, it's three separate dynasties, and they all run out of time. You know, there's just kind of this natural end point. The, the point is, all dynasties eventually die, and the question is just, what does it look like when they do? Next time we have you on, Zach, I'm going to have you uh, tell us a story you found about entropy, because I think that would be fascinating. <laughs> Until then, tell us where we can find the piece that uh, you we're discussing today. Yeah, it's uh, the again, it's at the New York Times, uh, and the headline is, At Barcelona, Coutinho Deal Isn't the Only Ticking Clock. Um, and it's written by Rory Smith. It's, it's a little older now. It's a couple of weeks old. It's, it actually is written from the perspective of the deal not yet happening, but being highly likely it has since gone through. Um, but again, it's much more of a contextual story of what, what that means and, and and what it signals for kind of the future of, of Barcelona. We have a link to that story included with the uh, audio version here. You can find Zach Osterman's work online at IndyStar.com, and you can follow along uh, Zach's uh, life uh, discussions on the nature of time on Twitter at Zach Osterman as well. Uh, Zach, thanks again for taking the time to join us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This is the best story I've heard today. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll share it with others. Thanks for listening. We look forward to sharing stories with you again very soon. I'm Kenny Smith.